0: Welcome back to Inspiring Neighbors Podcast, where we showcase seemingly ordinary people with extraordinary stories. Welcome, Angela.
1: Hello, Trevor.
0: <laughs> we just had a very cool interview with very a very cool, cool person. Uh, her name was Diana Rocca, and she is the owner and creator of Drayrock Marketing Strategy. She has over 10 years of corporate marketing experience and she left the corporate world uh, about four years ago and started her own brand coaching company where she coaches many people including corporations on how to develop branding strategies and I loved it I always love chatting with her but she's she has this very calm demeanor which we talk about and it's just really fun and easy to talk to her what did you think
1: i loved it i love talking to her she's very um yeah like you said very calm she's she 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 appears very (laughs) zen-like uh in both in both the level of calmness and the and the knowledge that she imparts the wisdom that she's uh she's gained and it feels like she's always had it i don't know it doesn't feel like something she's like had to uh to necessarily earn but definitely has tons of experience to back it up that was cool. I agree. To, yeah. To dig I, into. Agree. I, I think one of my favorite things was connecting, like, the, like, how you are, like, as a person, self aware and genuine to, to how brand that translates to brands. I think that that mm-hmm. was kind of a common thread that I was hearing throughout. And I enjoyed that a lot.
0: She helps build a very genuine brand that aligns with you as a person, I feel like. And mm-hmm. yeah, I love that. She also had a really cool story at the very end. I'm not going to, mm-hmm. um, spoil anything but not related to branding at all <laughs> but just a cool idea that she had with her husband and and they did it and it was i thought it was a wicked idea so i had to ask her about it so with that please enjoy diana rocca let's talk to our neighbors because everyone, everyone can inspire the inspiring neighbors podcast light your fire.
1: So, I I don't know if we're ready to jump to this, but I I am immediately curious uh, about dancing. Did you think it should be what you do for a living at some point? Was that in the cards? I think at one point, I thought at a very
2: young age, this would be, and I'm saying young age, this would be a cool career to be a professional dancer. And... It was a huge part of my life, and I learned so much from it, and it did bring me a lot of joy. There came a point where as I got older into my teenage years and, you know, in high school trying to figure out what I want to do for university, and I just started to make different choices because, A, just from a career standpoint, what I could actually make of it. And there's also um, a time limit or an age limit on being a professional dancer, same with being a professional, you know, basketball player or baseball player or hockey player, there's that sort of time limit. So that came into effect a little bit too. I think the other part of it was, it's a very tough industry being a competitive dancer and the pressure put on your body from a physical standpoint and injuries, but also from a, you need to diet and you need to lose weight and you have to look a certain way, um, is I I didn't want to go down that path. And Mm -hmm. it just, I'm, I think anyone that goes down that path to be a professional dancer has a lot of courage and stamina and a strong backbone because it's a very hard thing to get into but for me I wanted to avoid the whole body image and you have to look a certain way and then eat a Mm -hmm. certain way so for me that was a that was a pretty big part of it Um, and I just I wanted a different career for myself as I got older and understood the world better and understood my options better and decided to you know Obviously went to high school and then um, studied business, and, and that's where I took my career.
0: Wow, well, yeah. good for you for having that awareness, like
2: yeah, at that age, so, yeah, yeah. Self, um, I mean, I feel like we could talk about self awareness for hours because I think it's important to have self awareness on on yourself, about yourself, and understanding you know, what energizes you and what takes your energy away and what motivates you or what demotivates you and and having that Mm self-awareness about yourself. Um, and also the self-awareness or awareness of other people and their situations and their demeanor. And, and again, how you can be accommodating or flex based on, on how they are. Um, self-awareness is a really, really important topic. Um, something that, comes again, as you become, I don't want to say older, as you become wiser, <laughs> I think you have more <laughs> self-awareness. Um, yeah. And I think that's been, that's been important to me is to step back and have that awareness and and take a moment. If I need a breath or, you know, I'm in a heated situation or an argument, and I just need to, you know, have, I don't want to say come back to that Zen, but come back to a place of, okay, understanding what is actually, you know, causing this and, and having that awareness in myself of how I'm approaching this situation or how I'm reacting to something and how someone mm-hmm. else is reacting or how I'm impacting their feelings. So I just think mm-hmm. the whole awareness piece is, is a really important topic, especially mm-hmm. in today's world with everything that's going on.
0: No kidding. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I feel needs to be learned younger or not learned I don't want to put the pressure on kids to learn it. I think parents should display it and try to teach it younger so that younger generations can learn earlier. I feel like the difference that can make on somebody's path is gigantic, Um, which I'm seeing. I think I see in Mm -hmm. society it's moving that way and try to teach just like emotional intelligence to, to kids because they get it.
2: Oh, that's a whole other conversation too, is there is, you know, we call it street smarts, right? There's the street Mm -hmm. smarts, the common sense, there's um, school or book learning where you're studying something and and you can learn theory and things like that. And then there's emotional intelligence, which is quite honestly harder to learn and harder to teach because, It, it's a whole other ballgame when you talk about emotional intelligence and how to empathize with people and show compassion and understand their situations a little bit better. I just, um, funny you brought that up. I just did a post on LinkedIn um, earlier this week around, hey, I've been four years in my business and there's been other entrepreneurs that have been longer in their journey and some that are just starting out and here are some lessons learned. Um, And Mm -hmm. one of them was around the the notion of, I didn't call it emotional intelligence, but leading through compassion and Mm -hmm. not leading through fear. And it's okay to show that vulnerable side, because when you lead through empathy and lead through compassion, you will get a different reaction from people and you will get a different team dynamic than if you're just instilling fear in people where they... Just have to sort of bow down to you and, and listen that's not yeah. how it should be it should be people want to work with you people want to be your friend people want to be your life partner it shouldn't have to be yeah. this forced situation so i think the whole um, understanding emotional intelligence at a young age is important um, it's it's i think one of the more difficult things to learn and practice um, mm-hmm. I do think the world needs more of it, but it's 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 really really important.
0: What led you to choose business when you went to university? Was that an easy choice? Was it obvious for you?
2: It wasn't. Um, mm. So, in I would say my last two years of high school, more my last year, um, I had I was taking a lot of like psychology and sociology courses. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also took, you know, there's accounting, business, economics, uh, high school version courses. And I actually applied for both. I applied to business school and I applied into psychology. And for me, I was always so intrigued of the inner workings of our mind and our brain. And Mm -hmm. a big part of that plays into psychology um, in terms of just our our makeup and what motivates someone to do something over someone else. And are we emotional thinkers or rational thinkers and what drives that? So for me, mm-hmm. psychology was always really, really, really interesting. I also watched a lot of criminal shows as well. Um, <laughs> and at one point I thought, oh, could I get into criminal psychology or criminology and I thought you know what that might be a little too dark too deep to have to bring that home every night Mm.
3: um
2: so yeah for me it was I went down the path of I applied for psychology applied for business um and I got into a great business school and I said hey you know what I'm I'm gonna take it I think it's a great opportunity for me and then through business school I started specializing in marketing which Uh. ties into psychology. Mm -hmm. Because how you build a brand and how you market it and how you speak to your clients or speak to your consumers, it's a lot of psychology. And I always say this, that marketing and psychology go hand in hand. So Mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to do that and take psychology courses as electives um, because they complemented each other so well. And even to this day with With my, you know, my work experience and and with my business and working with clients and helping them build their brand now and how to bring psychology into their branding and their marketing, I still get a little taste of it. So, um, yeah, I would say it wasn't the easiest decision because I I thought I had two paths I could go down Um, and then Mm -hmm. I just got drawn to business a little more, more strongly and then yep. went that down that route and, and here I am today.
0: Very um, cool. Your <laughs> your self-awareness keeps blowing my mind. When you're in like high school, <laughs> grade eleven, you're thinking of these things. Yeah. I was nowhere near thinking about stuff like that. I was thinking <laughs> about probably a TV show.
3: <laughs>
2: or other things at that age.
0: <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's it is an interesting time to be at that age because there's so many things going on with our minds and um, externally and building friendships and relationships and, and all of that. So um, it, mm-hmm. I, I do think it's a really young age to make a decision on, I have to know what I want to do in college university because that's going to dictate my career and, and trying to figure that yeah. out at 17, 18 is really, really young. So um, yeah. I know most schools have guidance counselors and, and and coaches like that, which is helpful, but it's such a young age to make such a big decision.
1: I feel like the guidance process through that, it's like, on the one hand, you have the like five careers that you think exist in the world, because those are the ones you always hear of, right? Like, it's like, I don't know, doctor, lawyer, uh, yeah. <laughs> business <laughs> person, like there's not, and then the, the like mind blowing fact that when you are an adult and like you reflect on, oh, like almost nobody has one of those few careers that I thought were the options when I was young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is like the guidance counselor process, I remember they would do like these like quizzes where you answered these questions and then they said like, these are the suggested yeah. careers that would match you. And I feel like they go out of their way to put randomest things. Like it could be like Circus Clown would be on there. <laughs> like...
0: I got, I'll i never forget. I got professional tree climber.
1: <laughs> you did not. <laughs>
0: i did i swear you to god did? It was, oh my yeah god. like somebody i don't know who is a professional tree climber maybe somebody like a forester i don't know who climbs trees <laughs> a guy who builds tree houses but anyways i got that and i was oh like oh gosh. yeah that, <laughs> that's real, <me>, right?
3: <laughs> how,
1: how do you consider
0: i don't make money try climbing trees you
2: know what it's so funny because i'm thinking about how those surveys are developed so you, you are answering standard questions, and then there's mm-hmm. clearly a standard list of professions, right?
0: That yes. then, based on
2: your answers, get matched to this standard list of professions. So mm-hmm. you're telling me that a professional tree climber made it to this standard list <laughs> of
3: professions?
0: Yeah, somebody, an intern, that played a wild. nasty trick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but it made it through the filter, and it made it to me... And I think it was like that, and then the normals like business, accountant, doctor, <laughs> accountant, engineer. Yeah, yes. Like, so then I was like, well, I probably won't make much money climbing trees. <laughs> now thinking well, about it, would, I bet you they do make awesome. a lot of money.
1: <laughs> Maybe you would make it the would... most money climbing trees. Yeah. There's I not many of those. Awesome. A, <laughs> <in demand. laughs> a guy in
0: Costa Rica climbing trees to save monkeys.
1: Oh, <laughs> you just brought so much meaning to tree climbing. I just had
0: another existential crisis. Like, what did I do? I oh my fallen. god,
1: that was a fork in the road. A clear fork in the road. Whole yeah, different life.
0: Okay. All right, I'm going oh, to Costa Rica. He,
1: but you brought more
2: purpose to it. Yeah, That's true. You would.
0: Good point. <laughs>
2: Actually, I mean, yeah. purpose is another, I mean, you brought it up Trevor by saying that, but purpose is another conversation, right? Because mm-hmm. I think purpose can mean so many things. And I think it's really important to start with, you know, what is the the purpose that I bring to my partner? What is the purpose that I bring to my kids, my family? Mm-hmm. What is the you know, the purpose Mm. of me starting a business or helping my clients. And I always, I always, always um, advise people to start with their overall purpose, which it's not about making money or or bringing income in. It's about what is your intention of what you're doing and Mm. why does it matter? And just going back to the intention to set your purpose. It's just, it's, it sets more meaning behind
0: it. Is mm-hmm. that an exercise you do with your clients? Like that's I do. probably one of the first things you do.
2: I do. Yeah, what if somebody so...
0: can't <laughs> oh, di- digressing, but I want to no, ask ahead. this because I've seen it cause stress in people like find your purpose. It's a stressful. Cause what if you can't, what if you don't know? Like, how do you find that? What would you say to those people who are like, I want to know my purpose, but I can't find it.
2: Yep. And I've had people come to me saying, I I can't flush it out or I can't define it. Or I -hmm. feel like there's so many things that I want to do and I just can't pinpoint what is going to be the right purpose or bring the most joy to what I'm doing in my life. So going through that process, it's really, it, it, It becomes a bit of a writing exercise. So write down, you know, what you're good at, what you're not good at. Write down what you're passionate about, what you're not passionate about. Write down Mm -hmm. what energizes you on a daily basis. Write down what takes away from your energy. And so Mm -hmm. there's a few more probing questions that goes into that, but then you come to this list that then you can narrow down and say, you know, I'm actually finding links or alignment between what I'm good at, what I'm passionate about, what gives me energy, what gives me joy. And then you start crossing off the things that are the polar opposite of that in terms of, you know, what's taken away from my energy, what's not giving me joy. And then I help I will help clients narrow down that list to figure out their ultimate purpose. And I don't want to say in life because I'm not a life coach. And I think in life is a really big undertaking. It's just, Mm -hmm. if my client is starting a new brand or a business, it's okay, well, what is, what is the purpose of that? And is it bringing something different to you and to your family? Um, But I think Mm -hmm. those types of probing questions are still, beneficial to go through no matter what you're trying to tackle in life, whether it is professional or personal, it's still an important exercise to go through to figure that out.
0: I like the way you, like, from what I've seen, the way you coach businesses and brands is it's very like foundational. Like, we need to build this foundation of what the heck are you doing? What do you want to do? Who is your customer? It's like that kind of stuff. It's not like, how do I create a sweet logo?
2: Yeah. So (laughs) I'm sure you could do. Yeah. And, and I would say that's a logo is part of a visual identity of a brand. So that gets filtered into it, of course, but it is those foundational things. And what a lot of people may get tripped up on is, this whole notion of branding versus marketing. And I always say branding comes first. It's like the cart before the horse. So, mm. your branding and your foundation and your purpose and your positioning and your values and what you want to stand for to your customers and your visual identities, all built in that. That's all your branding that has to come first. And then you can get into marketing and selling and execution, but you can't do the marketing before doing the branding, which is the foundational stuff. And so Mm -hmm. that's one of the big things that I also coach on is, you know, the right sort of process or the right way to do things so that you can be set up for success and that you can serve your customers or your clients in the best way possible. And so it's, there's, there's certain things, you know, a certain flow to things um, and that foundational piece is, is important.
3: That's yeah. So
1: cool. It sounds like it's like, you have to figure out what is your message and then figure out how to communicate it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, but the way you explain the purpose, cause just, I, I can hear why, like people get tripped up on purpose and this sounds so big and overwhelming and, and so important. It's like picking your career that you're going to do for the rest of your life. <laughs> like
3: mm-hmm.
1: what? <laughs> I have to pick one. Um, and and I but I love the way you explain it and kind of the way you're breaking it down and also in that like calm <laughs> tone that I just it just feels much more approachable when you're explaining it as like well these are actually kind of simple questions in the sense that yes. like you should be able to get at those and to building them up together would get you to what is that higher tougher question purpose like you don't and, have to start from the top yeah I think it's really critical to break things down into
2: chunks, no matter what you're doing. Um, because I think if you look at something as a whole, or the end goal, and I'm trying to achieve this really big picture thing, it feels like a really big undertaking, and it could be overwhelming. So you have to break it down into chunks, and almost many, many little projects to get to the bigger goal. Um, mm-hmm. to tackle those at a time uh, and just be disciplined in okay I'm I'm going to get this done and then I can move on to the next and then the next and then the next because there there is a flow to it but it just helps things become more digestible and manageable and then you as you check it off it's like hey I got this one today and I got that done or hey I accomplished this today and that's another really big piece is I don't think as whether you are working for an employer or you're an entrepreneur and you have your own business, we don't celebrate our wins enough. And it doesn't have to be a massive win. You can celebrate the small wins too along the way. So I think, A, if you have those probing questions and you break things down into pieces it's just more manageable and as you break things down into pieces and go through that process to you know get to that you know first big milestone or first big goal is also celebrate those small wins along the way.
0: I yeah, love let's... that. I'm a huge proponent of celebrating little things. Yeah. So you make it through university, you found a yeah. way to combine marketing with psychologizing. Mhm. That's a word. And It is now. You go, <laughs> you go in you make your way into the corporate world is it what you expected how did what did you how did you like working in the corporate world
2: i i enjoyed it and what i will say is it gave me a skill set many skill sets and the foundation that i needed to mm-hmm. have the confidence to start my own business And have enough expertise to help my clients in an impactful way. Right. So it's interesting because if you think through elementary school and high school a little bit, you're kind of, you're coddled, right? You're coddled Mm -hmm. by your teachers. You get into college or university, the coddling gets cut in half, if not even more, because... If you don't show up to class or you don't hand in an assignment or you don't show up to your exam, the professors don't care. It's mm-hmm. up to you to make sure that you're showing up and writing your exams and your assignments to get your diploma or degree at the end
3: mm-hmm.
2: of those years. Right. And then you get into the corporate world. Mind you, you have managers and coaches and mentors, but it can be a sink or swim. <laughs> hmm And it's funny because when I um, when I started at Pepsi as an assistant brand manager, there was a gap on the team. And I was reporting directly to a VP as an assistant, which
0: was sorry, I need to pause for a sec. That was your first job out of university.
2: So that was so my first my that was my first corporate CPG job where I really got into brand marketing my first job at a university yeah yeah, I worked for a year at actually a recruiting company in their marketing department so I was a marketing Mm -hmm. coordinator and then I knew I knew I really wanted to get into the consumer packaged goods and retail space because of the foundational marketing and branding experience that I could get and mm-hmm. so, coming out of that, I moved into Pepsi as an assistant brand manager, and reporting mm-hmm. into a, a VP, and yeah. and that doesn't happen. It's usually yeah. it's yeah. like senior senior directors that are reporting um, into a VP and whatnot. So it yeah. was honestly, a, looking back, a great experience because I had to be a sponge.
3: I had Mm. to learn
2: quickly. I, again, it was a bit of sink or swim. I had to figure stuff out. And I did have a VP who coached me along the way, but you have to imagine a VP has other team members and a busy schedule. So Mm. it was really like jumping into things, asking questions, meeting people, and like leading team meetings. And these people have been working at the company for 15, 20 years. And here am I coming in, you know, a rookie and this young person. And so it can be a pretty intimidating situation to be in. Um, but yeah, I, I think it really, the, my corporate experience, um, from moving from Pepsi to dare foods to Loblaws really, again, was part of shaping who I am today and, Skill set that I need, and having that strong backbone, and having the courage to go out and start my own business. So, I will say, yes, the corporate world was an awesome experience, and it was something that was built my foundation to then start my business. Um, But I will say, but I know, but's a negative word, but I don't care. (laughs) Um,
0: I like but. but,
2: (laughs) um but going through um the corporate experience at different companies it's funny because when i went from one company to another to another there was always something missing and mm. i always thought i wanted to move up in a corporation and i thought it was a promotion but every time i got promoted it was very the feeling was very short lived mm-hmm. and i felt like something more was missing and so I think in my, when I moved to, I guess my last two companies is when I started to realize, I think I want to start my own business. And I think yeah. that's what was missing for me because it wasn't a promotion and it wasn't, um, you know, just, you know, moving on to the next, you know, big and better company. Cause I had different mm-hmm. experiences at each company that again, shaped me. It was just yeah, something was missing. I I wanted to start my own thing. I wanted to be able to bring my knowledge to as many people as possible to help them build their own thing and build their baby and have, I think just have a more, you know, balanced overall lifestyle or lifestyle design is what I call it. And I actually read that in a book, Um, but building the lifestyle design that you want for yourself holistically and being an entrepreneur and starting my own business was a really big part of that. I also think in the corporate world, there's, um, there's a ladder of approvals going up and down the chain. And for someone like me who <laughs> has a strong voice and a strong opinion,
3: mm-hmm.
2: I, I just, I started to realize, you know what? I just, I don't know if this is a fit for me anymore to be on that end of the spectrum and so you know moving over to starting my own business again not a walk in the park because it takes a lot Mm -hmm. of work to start it and build my own branding and and bring in clients but I'm so incredibly happy with the decision and that I had the courage to make that decision because it's exactly where I want to be and I can say I'm much happier as a person. And calmer as a person.
0: Were you scared doing that? Like, was it a gradual transition into building something for yourself, or was it just cold turkey? I'm done with you guys. I'm gonna go it, build something on my own.
2: Yeah, it. I would say it. It was. Um, it was gradual because in sort of my my last year um, in corporate, I was already starting to build my branding.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: and uh so just kind of getting a website done and working with a web developer you know creating my own branding getting a logo done and I knew I wanted to start my business so I also um I'm I'm a big proponent on maintaining relationships and not burning bridges so I had this network of of awesome people Um, that I had built Mm -hmm. over the span of let's call it 12 years and that I had good relationships with, and I continued to nurture those relationships. So I did a lot of relationship building also in that last year to help prep me for, uh, starting my business and building clients Mm -hmm. and yeah. And so it was 2019. So four years ago is when I started and I started Mm -hmm. working with clients in January, 2019 and, yeah, so the, the rest is history.
0: <laughs> That's crazy. Was there a lot of fear on, the, like, the day you left the corporate world? Were you, yeah. What were the feelings?
2: Yeah, I would say there, there was nervousness and, you know, what what if I – it's not what I imagined. And mm-hmm. what if I actually – like the corporate world and the structure that comes with it. And, yeah. you know, and then I have to, you know, start my business and go back. And so there's those feelings. I think the mm-hmm. other piece of it was my husband also has his own business. And mm-hmm. so he's been running that for about 10, 11 years now. Okay. And you have to imagine as, you know, a couple when now we're both entrepreneurs that was also a big decision because there's, there's just, there's a different level of responsibility that comes with Mm -hmm. being an entrepreneur. Um, but it was awesome because I had his immediate and full support, um, Mm -hmm. to go out and do this, which was really important to me to have that support system. Mm -hmm. Um, so there, there were those feelings. It's not, it's not a walk in the park. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. Um, It's real, Mm. it's real life. And I went through lots of feelings and lots of emotions to get started. And also, you know, great. I'm starting to work with clients now, January, 2019. But what if a year from now, I don't have any clients. Yeah. And so of course those, those thoughts come up and listen as, as positive as even myself, I try to be positive and I'm calm and, uh, even like journaling and manifesting and all of that at the end of the day, we're human. Like we mm-hmm. are human through and through. We each have different, you know, biological makeups and we have emotions that we have feelings and there's going to be days where, you know what? Yeah. A negative thought is going to come in my head and it's going to be hard and challenging and it's not always going to be a walk in the park but you learn from it you learn from your mistakes to take you forward and you pick yourself back up again but Mm -hmm. it's it's part of the whole process and it's part of the journey um yeah there was always those feelings in the beginning but it was the right decision for me for my lifestyle uh for my you know myself and my husband and I had a great support system and now looking back or looking forward, I guess, four years later today, it was the best decision I could have made. Good for you. Very
0: inspiring. You you mentioned being a perfectionist and having to kind of turn that down a little, I'll call it. Yes, yes. How does that affect, I guess, in a general sense, if you're creating, I'll call it content, whether that's media or logos or brands or websites or whatever it is, being a perfectionist tends to hinder that. I know because I am also a perfectionist and I've tried to create these things. How do you handle those? Like, is it a delegation? Do you say this is probably not what I should do because I'll spend way too long on it? Or are you able to kind of turn that down? And if so, how?
2: Yeah. So the perfectionist, uh, again, I think it stems from a lot of different things and in, in being conditioned early on right so being a competitive dancer and being a perfectionist in terms of i have to hit everything and all the moves and all the tricks on stage i cannot miss anything because i let myself down and let my team down and that obviously carries on into the corporate world and you know my presentation has to be perfect because my my boss is watching and their boss is watching and and all of that so Mm -hmm. I would say yeah. it has carried on into running my own business. But when you start your own business and you're the one wearing all of the hats at the beginning, you don't really have time <laughs> to be a
3: perfectionist.
2: <laughs> and yeah. naturally I started to let go of things, but it was very uncomfortable for me to yeah. let go of, you know, not, you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's on everything because I was so used to doing that. And mm-hmm. so for me, it was a shift to let go of some of those things personally for myself. But then also I got to the point where it's, I can't do it all by myself. And I now I need to be comfortable bringing someone on and helping me out and, mm-hmm. you know, delegating tasks to them and trusting them. So that was mm-hmm. a big Turning point in my business was to bring on a team. And yeah, it goes back to trusting people and letting go. And yeah. you start to realize that the more you try to perfect everything, it's just, it's actually hurting you in the end because you're not as productive and it's slowing you down. And if you have the mentality for every like every post and every image you sort of get into this like whirlwind or this tornado of things and yeah. it's just you you have to sort of calm that down and realize that you know not everything has to be perfect and even if you take social right. media for example your audience and people want to see a bit of the rawness they want to see mm the realness they want to see some raw content they want to see that there's a real human behind the business or the brand and it helps humanize your brand as well so Mm -hmm. I think over time I started to let go that was a big reason and then I had a team to help out and I also had coaches along the way that pushed me to say just just get your first live out get your first video out and Mm -hmm. Again, practice makes progress. I'm going to stick with that. Practice does not make perfect. It makes progress. And I think that's what it is. It's just the first video came out, the second, the third, the fourth, and then you just become more comfortable with it. I think it's important to ground yourself in what's important to you and do the best, put the best out there that you can. And there's going to be mistakes along the way. And that's okay Mm
3: -hmm.
2: because you learn, you grow. And I think making mistakes and having those maybe many failures along the way is what makes us stronger and what makes us who we are. And so that's yeah. sort of the, the guidance or the coaching that I would put out there.
1: I have to ask, how do you connect kind of everything you just said to at the brand level? Because there's this like, first of all, self-awareness, as you brought up earlier, big part of it, uh, who, who you are and you know uh understanding your world and how you want to be in it but then that like presumably you have a target audience as a brand Mm -hmm. and you want to cater to them you want to understand them to be able to communicate with them but then you also can't obsess i guess over like not being like you have to build a bridge between who you are and who you want them to think you are or maybe it's the same just how how would you talk to that
2: Yeah. So that it's, it's a great question. And, and a lot of any business has to deal with that. So I think for me personally, or how I coach my clients, it's always around, okay, how do you want to position yourself as a brand? How do you want to be seen as a brand? How do you want people to perceive you? And that gets built into your branding. So it's, it's not, you know, if you're a personal brand, so if you're someone mm. like a, a coach or a realtor where you have a personal brand for yourself, I think more of your personality may come out because it's more of a personal brand. If you have a physical brand or physical product, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a different process, but it's still, you know, how do you want people to perceive your product or feel about your product? Or when people think about your product, what do you want them to think And so that gets built into your branding around the perception and the positioning. And then, so that is all in the branding. And then it's okay, well now what is my message to my audience and how do I articulate that in a way that's going to resonate with them? Or how do I speak in my customer's language so that it resonates with them? So Hmm. it's, it's a balance because you don't just want to, for me, I'm a personal brand, right? So I don't just put myself out there as, as a, you know, my personal life, but it's also, you know, I'm showcasing my brand and my business and and how I come across to people. So there's a balance there is definitely there's a fine line between getting, you know, too personal (laughs) and then, and then, um, and then building up your brand and your business. But there's, there's definitely a balance that I coach my clients through Because at the end of the day, there's still, and I'll bring social media as an example, you still want your branded post, and uh, you want to communicate what you're offering to people and how it can help them. But people still want to see a human behind the brand. And I go back to this humanization of your branding. And so it's important to add some of those personal touches in. And Mm -hmm. I just think if I tie that back to the whole perfection thing and, and caring about what people think about you... I think, of course, you want to have consideration in what your audience thinks of your brand, right? I'm not, Mm -hmm. I think the whole caring about people think of you, but then having consideration for your audience, like those, I I need to separate those because they are two different things. Um, You want to make sure that what you're putting out there for your audience and your customer is meaningful for them and value added to them, and it resonates with them. Versus my, like, a personal thing of, oh, I haven't nailed this video down yet. And I have to do 10, 15, 20 takes of the video because at the end of the day, we're our own worst critics. So that's what Mm -hmm. I mean about not caring about what people think of you is put your video out there because you don't know what reaction you're going to get and test it out and see what happens. And you can change it and tweak it and optimize going forward. But if you're stuck in this perfectionist mentality of, caring about what it looks like and doing a million takes, it's never going to get yeah. out there. So just, you know, if you're 80% the way there, put it out there, put it out to the world and and see what sort of reaction you get. That is the sort of perfectionist piece that you have to balance. And then on the flip side, when I was speaking to, you know, making sure that you're putting value-added content for your audience is mm-hmm. it's all about, Your client. Your client is the hero of your brand. Your client is the number one. And if you're not putting value added content out there for them, you're going to lose them. So you always Mm -hmm. have to keep them in mind and put something that is resonating with them and that's valuable out there. So you do, you have to care about the content you're putting out there.
1: But when it comes to the perfectionist side, it's just try it, put it out there and see what happens. Whether you're thinking about your audience or whether you're thinking about what your audience will think of you. Like, yes. it's like, are you focused on them and what they need? Or are you focused on your, you and what you need them to see you as? Like, yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not, um it, it, try not to be self-serving about it. Uh, it's really, mm. you know, I'm putting this video out there. Uh, this is just an example. It's not a perfect video, but I know it's, there's value in it and it's helping someone out there. So put it out there. And it's hmm. always thinking about your 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 customer, your client, whoever that is, and thinking about them first.
0: It's amazing. It's cool that we're talking about this because I had a conversation, when was that last week? A few di- days ago, uh, I'm working on an idea right now that I shared with this person who has done it in his life successfully, uh, something similar. So I shared my idea. We had a really good conversation. Towards the end of the conversation, I said, what do you think of my idea? Do you mind if I ask? And he said, it doesn't matter what I think of your idea. And stop asking that question. Like, Don't ask it again. Put it out there. Do some testing. Yeah. Put products out. And you'll know what people think right away. And yes. if you go around asking that question, what if you're just not asking the right people? What if it is a great idea, but the people you're asking aren't the people you should be asking? Exactly. So stop asking it. Don't (laughs) care what people think. Just go test and test and test and try to do that quickly. But again, there's like a balance there. Don't care what people think, but also try to figure out if people like what you're doing and if it needs to be tweaked a little bit. Right,
3: right.
1: Yeah. So. I love the bringing them value. Like, is, 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 it's not like, like, like when you say bringing them value, it now I feel like like sounds shallow. Like it's like, That's do they true. like it? Yeah. Is, yeah. yeah. Versus like, is it bringing them value? It's like, Oh, that, that feels more like deeper goes, goes deeper. Yeah. I think, um, actually you, you
2: both hit really good points where if, at, let's say you're putting a post out there and you know, you're not, having the best hair day does your audience really care probably Mm. not so that comes Mm -hmm. back to the the whole like be don't be self-serving and care too much about those intricacies but if you are you know if you're having that bad hair day and you have something really valuable to give your audience then give it to them Mm -hmm. i think that people want to see, again, going back to the raw content, right? Trevor, the advice that you were given for the idea that you shared is he, your friend is probably right. It probably doesn't matter what he thinks. And maybe mm-hmm. he's also not in the market for what your idea is offering. So mm-hmm. I think there's a balance of when you're starting out, it's great to kind of noodle the idea and share it with family and friends because you know that's your closest knit group of people to get their perspective Mm
3: -hmm. you
2: have to take that with a grain of salt because you have to remember they're your family and friends so there may be people in that group that will be very honest and there will be others that are going to respect your feelings and tell you what you want to hear so you need to park that and scope out. Okay. If this is my idea and it's for this type of person. And again, building out that customer avatar or customer persona and finding them out there, finding them on social media, inviting them to a survey of some sort, because they're Mm -hmm. the ones that will be honest. And they're the ones that are going to be interested in what you're offering. And Mm -hmm. so even though your friend said, hey, it doesn't matter what I think. What I'll say to that is, and, and this goes through the process that I coach clients on, is validate your idea first, though. Yeah. You still have to validate your idea with the people that you're trying to target to mm-hmm. see if it's a viable option that they would be interested in, that they would buy. Maybe they'll give you feedback feedback on how to tweak it to make it even more meaningful for them. But no. at like ground zero, I would say even before starting investing in your branding and your logo and putting all these marketing materials together is validate your idea and, and prove it out, I guess, conceptually is what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen too many people trip up over that where it's like, oh, I have the best idea and I'm just going right to executing it and throwing up a e-com store where people can buy it. And then no one's coming. Well, mm-hmm. did you validate the idea? Did you share samples with people that are your target audience that could try it or whatnot? Um, mm-hmm. Did they give you feedback where you could tweak it before you you know do a full launch? And then you can get into, you know, investing in all the other things.
1: I was wondering a couple of things. One, um, as you talk with people like the companies that you're coaching, how do you balance holding their hand through their branding process versus kind of giving them the right answer saying like, well, this is what I think it should be? Because I imagine some of it needs to come from them to be truly genuine, but they also want your help. So how, how do you do that?
2: So my mentality, and and actually Trevor, this is going back to even your idea and people telling you what you want to hear. So Mm -hmm. I always put myself in my client's shoes and their shoes in my shoes because I want to do what's best for them so that they can succeed. And if I'm going to tell them only what they want to hear, then I'm doing a disservice to them. I'm doing a disservice to myself because I'm not setting them up for success. So this is where the hard ass comes in. <laughs> mm-hmm. Still keeping that calm demeanor. <laughs> but there, there are points where, you know, a, a client might feel very strongly about something, but I know that if they head down this path, it's, it's not going to be a good decision. So for me, it's, I never just say, no, don't do that. I think the important thing in asking questions or getting questions asked of you is giving context. And I was always like Mm -hmm. this in the corporate world as well. So Mm -hmm. if I was asking someone to do things or delegating or saying, no, that's not right. Context goes a long way because then you're helping people understand the why instead of just mm-hmm. saying no or can you do this for me because think about it if you just say no don't do that or go do this for me or hey i i need this one insight for this presentation because the vp needs it to be able to present properly to the president and and that fact is really important to help us sell the story in that's a very different conversation to have and it's also a different feeling that you're evoking on that person because now they're feeling like, wow, she actually gave me the context as to why instead of just telling me what to do and me running around like a chicken with my head cut off doing these things. Mm -hmm. And so it also gives them a different feeling of trust in you. So Mm -hmm. going back to the question is I won't just, you know, tell clients what they want to hear. It's helping them through the process and making the right decisions. And in terms of you know their true branding coming to life, sure, I'm there to coach them through what their positioning should be, how you know how we want to make sure that they're perceived with the customers. And you know, here's maybe the messaging that you should be playing around with. And then you know they take it, and then then they you know put their post out or whatever it is. But I think there is, there's definitely a balance and you want to make sure that they're authentic to their brand. And that's my job to make sure that they're authentic to their brand. So that's, it's all part of the process.
3: Hmm.
2: And yeah, I just, I think it's important Hmm. to make sure that you're having honest conversations because it's helping set people up for success. If you're not, then again, you're just doing a disservice to everyone.
0: I can see you being very good at that, yeah,
2: yeah. like
0: the honest conversation, but also I care a lot about mm-hmm. your success. I can see it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, I, I mean, I've, I've heard that from clients that will say after the fact, like I needed to hear that, but it shows like you actually care about my brand and I do. And I can't stress that enough where, you know, I've worked with so many people that are just in it for the promotion or just in it for the money or me, 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 me. And Mm -hmm. I care so much about setting my clients up for success because it's their baby that they're trying to drive forward. And I want to see them thrive and shine in it. And Mm -hmm. if, if, if I don't through the process of them working with me, then I'm not happy. There's no way I can be happy about that. And there's, Mm -hmm. I would, for anyone to be happy about that would be shocking to me. But that is that's my approach. Is I'm in it with you, and I don't just treat you like a project. Treat you like a person. Treat you like a partner, and we're winning together. That's that's been my mentality.
0: I love it. It Sounds like a great
1: partner. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) partner in that.
0: I wanted to ask um, you to tell us about what you're doing right now at the Airbnbs. I thought this was really cool because you. Anyways, you tell the story, but I just thought what you're <laughs> what you're doing is very cool.
2: Okay, so I will try to make it short and sweet. Um, my husband and I sold our house uh, about a actually it was November. We would have moved out of our house November 2022, so we sold in the fall of 2022. And so we were in that house for about seven years. And probably about five years into it, we were sort of just contemplating with the idea, okay, do we want to move to a different city and, and a different house with maybe different, you know, different criteria, different features, bigger yard and things like that. And so that was a conversation that was happening for two years. Fast forward two years, which would have been fall last year, we listed our house and we sold it. And We were thinking, okay, let's just, let's maybe rent for a year to figure out where we actually want to, you know, set up camp and have a home that we're going to be in for 15 years or whatnot and and kind of build a family in. And so we kind of went out, looked at some 12 month properties, weren't happy, came back home that day and threw it, threw an idea out to my husband and said, hmm there's this great platform called airbnb that's been around for a while what if we what if we just did airbnbs we switched airbnbs every two to three months to have a little experience break out a routine a little bit of an adventure and also figure out where we want to live because Mm -hmm. when we move to our current city and we were buying a house there. We didn't know much about the city. And and it was a great city. It's just after a while, it's like, oh, it's, you know, I don't know if we want to really, you know, stay here forever. And so mm-hmm. threw the idea out, it was very well received. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's what we did for the past year is we've put all of our stuff in storage from the house that we sold. Um, I don't want to say we timed the market, uh, but my husband is also in the sort of house mortgage industry and Mm -hmm. crazy good at what he does. Um, He's very intelligent, very talented, but he also has crazy intuition. Um, Mm. So we did, we sold at a good time and now we're buying at a good time with the way things Mm -hmm. are going in the market. So we spent the last 12 months in... Oh, I lost count of how many Airbnbs, probably six or seven at this point. Wow.
1: <laughs> and
2: so moving from different Airbnbs, uh, testing out different cities, different areas where we actually want to settle down. Um, we put all of our stuff in storage from the house that we sold, which I mentioned. And so we've been moving from sort of city to city, house to house with, yeah, the two of us and our dog. So our dog is very Sweet. well-traveled. <laughs>
3: no kidding now
2: uh, and and so used to everything um it has been such an awesome experience a wild ride i think i honestly believe that it has made us sort of stronger as a couple and a family and mm-hmm. also individually we grew through this process um which was really interesting because at our age you're like, oh, we're kind of set in our ways. Is that? Are we really going to change?
3: <laughs> but yeah.
2: it's it's funny because you do, and you still continue to learn and grow. Um, and one of the one of the funny things through all this was how much of a minimalist you can mm-hmm. become, and mm-hmm. how much crap we have <laughs> that we don't
0: need. <laughs> Yeah, and I can imagine. So,
2: like having everything in storage, minimalizing wardrobe. And even now, um, we've gone on vacation um, a couple times through this process. We only pack carry ons. We have never packed one checked bag through this entire oh process. God. And there's been vacations we were away for eight or nine days. And <laughs> nope, wow. checked bag and sorry, carry on and no checked bag. Um, so it's just it's interesting you become a minimalist you become more appreciative of the things that you have and and need every day um Mm -hmm. and yeah there's just a sense of gratitude
0: i can imagine sounds like heaven going on an airplane such a cool
2: idea (laughs) oh it is have Well, especially with everything that was going on you know in airports and and lost bags Mm -hmm. um but I'm hoping I can always travel like that. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's been it's been it's just such a great experience, a learning experience. And now we're we've been shopping for a house uh, now, so we actually have solidified, you know, a couple areas where we want to settle down cool. in. And honestly, it's thanks to this process because I think we were both confused in where we actually which cities felt like home to us Mm -hmm. and and now through this process we figured that out and uh we're back on the market shopping
0: it's so cool i was like tell every first (laughs) home buyer this like do this for a year (laughs) and just airbnb it's such a sweet idea
2: i would i i would advise that especially listen buying a home it's a big decision it's a big investment and I mean, it it also depends if you're, if you're able to do it. So both my husband and I own our own businesses and we work remote. We have a flexibility to do Mm -hmm. it. We only have a dog right now. We don't have kids yet. That's, you know, the, that's important to us and we want a family, which is why it was so important for us to figure out what city we want to live in and the school system around it, the neighborhood. Is there pride of ownership, you know, in, in this neighborhood, um, because that's so important for the next phase of our life going forward. Um, so, yeah, it depends, I think, what what stage or, or life stage you're in. But if you're able to do it, I think, I think it's just it's a learning, a great, great learning for you to figure out, OK, you know what? I really like this neighborhood and this city and, and this is where I want to buy because it's a big decision.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like you've taken product and idea validation to a whole new level.
1: hmm can i coach people on that yeah Yeah. i'm sure you could if anybody could i heard someone say that it's uh we we tend to pick where we live based on where we can get a job type of thing where Mm -hmm. it's like we got a job here so that's where we live and his suggestion was the other way around like you should pick where you want to live first and then find Mm -hmm. a job you can do (laughs) that so yeah it's like wow
2: flip which is, uh, which is really good advice, and and it's not it's not easy either because if you have a job, your automatic thinking is kind of have to be close by, or yeah. It's been a fun ride. I bet. Yeah. It makes. Me I, want to it's do funny it. because I've um, I've had a few people ask, especially when we started out, but even till this day, like, oh, you have to, you have to do a blog or a vlog. Um, or you know, <laughs> are you going to write a book about your experience mm. one day? And I'm thinking, I, I don't I don't know because for me, I I have taken a lot of uh, video and photos through this entire process, um, mm. and we've even just eating at some really cool places, and we've tried some like fun activities in different cities mm-hmm. that I wouldn't have really thought of trying before. So it's been quite an adventure. Yeah. Um, I just. I didn't want to do any sort of vlog through the process because I honestly, personally wanted to enjoy the process through and through for ourselves. And then listen, I have tons of things captured. So if down the road, I thought, hey, maybe I'll start something. Maybe someone can take something away from it or learn from it, then maybe down the road. Mm -hmm. But I just, I really wanted to enjoy the process while we were in it. Yeah,
0: it's a good idea. Be 100% present. I have some rapid fire questions and one popped into my head that I want to start with while you were talking about Pepsi. And that is, are you responsible for hiring Jimmy Fallon to do a Pepsi commercial?
2: No, I was not. I
0: had a feeling you would be. (laughs) It's a great commercial. Back in the days of commercials when those existed.
1: Yeah, I love Jimmy Fallon too. So, I'll throw in a similar question. Do you know about the Harrier jet? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Does that <laughs> yes. But Do you what, have a take?
2: <laughs> it. I mean, that was before my time. Um, but before my time, you know, obviously starting with the company, way before my time. Um, it's such an interesting story. I know there's the uh, the series as well that's out there about it. If you've watched it, um, that is. Uh, passion and commitment to a whole other level <laughs> in
1: terms of what do you know about it, Trevor?
0: No, what is this? <laughs> I,
1: I just saw the documentary on Netflix. That's why it's like very timely on my mind. Um, but yeah, it was a back in the nineties. There's yes. ad came out by Pepsi, and they, you could say they implied that you could get a Harrier jet, which is like a military plane if yes. you collected enough Pepsi points. But it, let's say, depending on which argument to the side you're on, you could say it was obviously a joke mm. of the commercial or there was somebody who took took it seriously and then there was like legal action against Pepsi because they weren't giving them the plane and Ooh, legal action back and forth because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's funny because this
2: this gentleman took it to, oh, well, he would have been young at the time because he was actually working with someone Um, I think they were partnering to collect as many cans or points and whatnot. Um, and it was like, he was on a serious mission to get this military jet. And typically on any sort of, um, promos, giveaways, commercials today, there's always legal fine print. You will see that on everything. And there is no legal fine print on that ad. Mm. And there was no mention of it being a joke.
0: Oh my God.
2: So He thought, this is legitimate. I could actually do it. And it was just, oh, like wild, wild. So you would never see that happen today because all the legalities involved, Mm -hmm. but just crazy.
1: Did that take the fun away? It's like, this is why we have labels like don't, you know, cook while you're Mm. driving or something. (laughs) Like who would cook while they are driving? It's like there's no disclaimer. So he Uh, didn't get his jet, I'm guessing. Yeah.
0: Uh, Spoilers
1: <laughs> <No> <laughs> jet. I
0: feel for him but,
1: <laughs> but you know also on the other hand It's like I think it's shocking When you see brands now Like big brands uh, On social media I've seen it on TikTok say things that you think oh they shouldn't be allowed to say that like they're a big brand like they can't be this silly or this like childish or this relatable in the thing the content that Mm -hmm. they're putting out so do you think that's kind of like freeing for marketing departments or it's maybe like asking a lot of them to stretch their comfort zone to be that
2: no I I actually I think it's freeing because having been on that side there's you want to put um You want to put a campaign together with maybe a partnership and you want to say specific things, but everything, all your messaging, even in the script in a commercial, uh, still needs to, usually it's it's run by a legal team to make sure that we're legally covering ourselves and and not saying anything that we can't stand by. Mm -hmm. And so it is actually freeing that there's more space to be more open. And and share a voice from from a marketer's mm-hmm. perspective because sometimes your hand are tied from like a regulatory or a legal standpoint. So mm-hmm. I'm sure it's it's very freeing for a marketer, but probably a lot of stress
3: for, a lawyer. <laughs> for the legal team <laughs> <For> the legal.
2: <laughs> for the legal team to be able to do it's that. Done. But I think I think we've um, we've come so far um, in like along that path to be able to be like freedom of speech, to be able to be a bit more free. And I think it goes back to Mm -hmm. the, you know, this is what our audience wants. And this is what the audience cares about. And the audience wants us to speak like this and say it and be more relatable. So again, there's a fine line where you don't want to upset someone or piss them off. um, Whether it's an internal employee being, you know, legal team or regulatory, or, you know, piss Mm -hmm. someone off externally that could get offended by something. So you, there is a fine line between being sensitive, uh, being sensitive to certain things, but also mm. y- you, you want to become relatable to your audience.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. so cool. Yeah.
2: So interesting. You go watch the documentary. <laughs> yeah. Go do it. Go do it.
0: <laughs> what is, uh, something near the top of your bucket list that you haven't done yet? Go to Japan. Ooh, good answer. Mm-hmm. <sighs> good. I would love to go to Japan.
2: Yeah. Trip. Trip to Japan.
0: Okay, that answers my next question. So I'm going to skip that one. Uh, <laughs> what is your favorite brand
1: Ooh. <laughs>
0: of anything?
2: Wow, I think I have too many. Um,
0: I just realized how hard of a question that is.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it, it is a hard question. I mean, there's so many great brands. Like you have the Honest Company that has done a lot of great work and, and giving back to the community through their branding Um, I'm, I'm very drawn to, as you can see my own branding, I'm very drawn to, to vibrancy and, and bright colors. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Um, but I think there's, there's a brand like that, that has, um, that has done really well. Um, you have restaurant brands also, um, take even like A&W, the, the, you know, burger restaurant, I think they've done a great job in terms of um, staying true to their brand, their branding and like their family of burgers, but also bringing plant-based and bringing breakfast to their menu Mm -hmm. and being able to meet the needs of different consumers. I think Mm -hmm. they've done a great job in that space. Mm -hmm. Um, and then a campaign that actually it, it really stuck with me was, um, an, an Amazon campaign. Um, and you can find the commercial on YouTube. It was, uh, between a priest and an imam. And, um, it's interesting because there's these two religions that come together in this Amazon commercial and they're both, um, they're meeting, they're friendly and they're both having knee problems. And so they each send each other sort of like some, some knee treatment or a knee brace and it's bringing these religions and these cultures together. And that Amazon commercial really stuck with me because we, I think if we look around us in the world today and, um, there, there's just, there's, there's a lot going on, right. There's, Mm. um, and, and without getting into the politics and the details of it. So that commercial really resonated with me because I think it's just, it's telling the story that like we can, we can all get along and we can all help each other and we can all support each other. And there's these two sort of cultures and religions that have come together to help each other out with the same need that they were looking for Um, and so I just thought from an emotional standpoint or trying to connect with the audience on an emotive level, I think Amazon did a nice job. Now, of course, Amazon has other things they need to work on as a company, um, which (laughs) a lot do, but I just think that that type of emotional connection with your audience is what you want to evoke when you're thinking about your branding.
0: Oh, cool. Mm. What an answer. Yeah. I didn't expect that. Good job.
2: When i go look up that commercial. Yeah. yeah. I see yeah, I remember it. Was, it. I remember uh,
0: the feeling of watching. Do you remember it? You know, yeah.
2: But yeah, there's there's so many brands doing doing so many, so many great things. Mm-hmm. Um the the one thing I will finish on that point in terms of you know things or brands like the honest company or or brands that are giving back to a community. I think any brand that is thinking about giving back or um doing something socially responsible or sustainable it one needs to still be a strategic fit with your brand and two it needs to be authentic so if you're going to support a cause or a movement or give back in some way it needs to be true to who you are and true to your brand and you have to do it in a genuine way because If you're just jumping on the bandwagon of the next movement and you haven't been there for that community or those movements in previous years, it comes off as very forced and fake and you're just trying to be trendy. So I think brands need to watch out because people are getting smarter and people are sharing their voice Mm -hmm. and will call you out on your crap. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you just have to be mindful of that
0: good advice yeah the world changes so fast now
2: so fast
0: one last question if you was there anything that you wanted to tell our listeners anything that you would like to say to them that maybe you didn't yet
2: um what i would say is anyone who is starting something new uh, you're starting a business, you're starting a new hobby, you're whatever it is. Go into it with there's there's some sort of expectations, obviously, because you want to be successful in, in what you're endeavoring. But be open-minded and figure out who your support system is to help you achieve your goal because that is a critical piece is you, some days, you may be more motivated than others. And so having that support system there is something that's really going to help you. And I think don't be afraid to ask for help and don't be afraid to ask questions. And a part of that is being vulnerable. And I bring up the word vulnerable because I had to really work on vulnerability because I thought that I had to do everything by myself
3: Mm.
2: whether it was starting my business and wearing all the hats or being in the corporate world and I thought I had to figure out everything on my own because I just I had that mentality and I didn't ask enough questions early on and I think there was a bit of maybe fear in asking questions and people thinking a certain way of me for asking those questions Mm -hmm. Um, and also wanting people to think that I'm a strong individual and a strong person and I can do it on my own. So if I could sort of leave another piece of advice is around, it's okay to be vulnerable and it is okay to ask questions because you have a support system and you have a team to support you and you will learn something from asking those questions
0: Mm -hmm.
2: because no one knows everything and you just need to put yourself out there, ask those questions, ask for the help you're going to learn and grow. And it's okay to do
0: that. There's a reason that you've been named the top 20 entrepreneur to look out for. (laughs) You, you are obviously very good at what you do and you're amazing to talk to i love having chats with you um
2: thank you i do too
0: i'm so grateful that you said yes and that you came on and you shared with us and answered all our silly questions so thank you for that (laughs) Absolutely.
2: they were great questions (laughs) I, i i had a blast i had a blast chatting with both of you and thank you so much for inviting me
0: thanks diana
2: thank
1: you diana thank you
2: so much